0: This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one
1: serving you. I have time for this day in sports history. Today is June the 8th, 2023. Time for Jeff McGuire to shine with his big star. Boy, we're in trouble.
2: 1933 uh, <laughs> is where we're going to kick things off. Uh, a's first baseman Jimmy Fox hits three consecutive home runs today as the Philadelphia outscore the New York Yankees 14-10. to 10. It was actually four straight homers because he'd homered in his last at-bat the mm. night before.
1: Wow. F-O-X-X, Jimmy Fox.
2: Correct. Nineteen fifty, Boston Red Sox route the St. Louis Browns twenty-nine to four at Fenway Park. Sets six major league baseball records, including runs scored and most total bases of sixty. It's a bunch. When you think of all time great Dodgers, it would be hard not to put Tommy LaSorda on this list, right? Really? He's a he wasn't a player. I don't see a Dodgers uniform without seeing Tommy Lasorda in it.
3: Okay, I mean, I, I, I think I'm with Jeff. If I was okay. thinking all time greats for the LA Dodgers, yeah, for yeah. for
2: the franchise, he's on okay. this list. Okay, uh, he's the well, poster child. Okay, I'll I'll buy into what you're I saying. Mean, there's other great Dodgers, but he's in the list. Mm-hmm. Well, on this day in 1955, they optioned him to the minor leagues. They brought up a different guy. If you're going to replace Tommy Lasorda on the roster, you better replace him with somebody good, right? Mm -hmm. Sandy Koufax makes his debut with the Dodgers. Yeah, because Tommy Lasorda was a pitcher. 1961, Milwaukee sets a record of four consecutive home runs in an inning. Eddie Matthews, Hank Aaron, Joe Adcock, and Frank Thomas. Back to back to back to back. uh, 1977? California Angels pitcher Nolan Ryan notches his fourth career 19 strikeout game in 10 innings mm. in a 2-1 two to, two to one win over the Toronto Blue Jays.
1: He could deal for those California Angels. Mm. Goodness gracious. And in
2: 1989, the Pirates scored 10 runs in the first inning. Their best inning since 1942. Pirate broadcaster Jim uh, Rooker takes mm. a, a page out of Chuck Hines' playbook. And says that he would walk home they if the Pirates lose the game. Yeah. He would then take the other page out of Chuck Hines' playbook after the Pirates lose and did walk at the end of the season.
1: <laughs> I, I love Jim Rooker when he was pitching for the Royals. I mean, he uh, and we moved into the neighborhood where they lived and then he got traded and never, never got to interact. But he was like two streets over from uh, the house where I grew up. But it was, uh, I always, loved, I always loved watching him pitch, but yeah, when he made that same. But then good for him, because he did do that, and he raised a lot of money for charity uh, with, his, with, his, uh, you know, with his act there.
3: Yeah, and he got some exercise.
1: Yeah, he got some exercise. A little more than I think he intended on getting. I don't think he was in big league playing shape by the time he was walking, from, mm-hmm. walking home to it, Pittsburgh.
2: It is National Jelly-Filled Donut Day.
1: So, go enjoy one of those. Yeah, Jamie's going to ask for the raspberry, right? Yes. Yeah. You know. I always, see, I Always, that's always a conundrum for me. It's like cherry apple, apple cherry, cherry apple, cherry apple. And then I'm like, then I just say, screw it and buy both of them. And then I try to figure out which one do I want to eat first and which one do I want to have the last taste in my mouth. It's always, it's, it's a dilemma. Yeah.
3: Tough deal, man. It's a tough deal. Tough deal. <laughs> it's a tough deal.
2: Happy birthday, Kanye! One of
3: those West. things
1: I just
2: don't do that a lot of time
3: thinking
1: about. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, <laughs> just I mean, you pick the raspberry, and eat the raspberry. You're, I don't know. I complicate things.
3: I think that would be fair to say. <laughs> I complicate yes. things. You, and over, I, I, I you know, overthink.
2: I know that. I know that. Kanye West, forty-six, and Nancy Sinatra is eighty-three today. Really, she's still alive. That's Frank still star. alive and kicking in boots. On this day, during the Six Day War. Israeli aircraft and torpedo boats sink the USS, uh, excuse me, attack the USS Liberty in international waters off the Egyptian Garza Strip. The intelligent ship, well marked as an American vessel and only lightly armored, was attacked first by Israeli aircraft that fired napalm and rockets on the ship. The Liberty attempted to radio for assistance, but the Israeli aircraft rocked, blocked the transmissions. Eventually, the ship was able to make contact with the USS Carrier Saratoga... ...and 12 fighters and four tanker planes were dispatched to defend the Liberty. When word of their deployment reached Washington, however... ...Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara ordered the recall to the carrier... ...and they never reached the Liberty. The reason for the recall still remains unclear. Getting back to the Mediterranean... ...the uh, initial air raid against the Liberty was over... However, then nine with, with nine of the 294 crew members were already killed and 60 were wounded. Suddenly, the ship was attacked again, this time by Israeli torpedo boats, which launched torpedoes and fired artillery at the ship. Under the command of its wounded captain, Liberty managed to avert four, four torpedoes, but one did strike the ship under, at the waterline. Heavily damaged, the ship lurched, uh, launched three lifeboats, but these were also attacked. By the way, this is a violation of international law. Failing to sink the Liberty, which displaced 10,000 tons, the Israelis finally uh, uh, disengaged. In all, 34 Americans were killed and 171 were wounded in the two-hour attack. The attack's aftermath, the Liberty managed to limp to a safe port. Later, Israeli would uh, apologize for the attack and offer uh, $6.9 million in compensation claiming that it had mistaken the Liberty for an Egyptian ship. Mm-hmm-hmm. However, Liberty survivors and some of the former U.S. officials believe that the attack was a deliberate state and stage to conceal their pending seizure of the Ganola Heights, which occurred the next day. The ship's listening devices would have likely overheard the military communications planning this controversial operation. The captain of Liberty was later awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And that is this day in sports history.
1: All right, 6.52 this morning here on the morning drive. A little bit of a pun for the review, Jamie. Uh, PJ was right. Uh, tech did compete in the 110-meter hurdles. So that's my, my apologies. My mistake on that. Uh, Caleb Dean uh, did not qualify uh, in the 110-meter hurdles. Uh, Washed-up guy reports that he watched them. Neither Tech hurdler made the finals. Two made the finals in the 400-meter hurdles. Um, this article in the AJ this morning, written by a guy from uh, who's covering the meet and he's there, basically says that with the failures in the 110 meter hurdles and Terrence Jones not qualifying for the finals, kind of knocks you out of finishing in the top three in uh, in the NCAA team competition. Mm. So that's, that's disappointing. That's disappointing. That's so that's uh, and then uh, Zach Bradford, uh, the pole vaulter, quoted in this. Here's the, here's the kind of the backstory of what happened to him in the pole vault yesterday. He didn't take his first vault until 80 minutes into the competition. There are 24 different vaulters. So, you know, that happens quite frequently where you pass, you pass, you pass, because you're not wanting to use up your strength at 16 or 17 feet or whatever. So he took his second attempt at the two-hour mark and then couldn't get um, to 18, eight-and-a-half uh, he said this. Uh, he said, it's always tough at the NCAA meet. 24 of the best athletes in the nation. Hard to jump in the dark, but you have to adjust to the conditions and jump your best on that day. I'm pretty angry um, because he said 18, 8 and a half should not win the NCAAs, but you have to compete. I didn't compete. On to the USAs. Podium is good, but I didn't want anything less than first. Now move on. Uh, and this guy, this, his commentary uh, this guy's name is Brett Bloomquist from the El Paso Times writing in the A.J. says the Tech's performance yesterday. Well, they had some big performances, but enough struggles to likely end a chance at a top three team finish. So the filling of lanes was just not quite enough enough yesterday. Uh, OK, uh, syntax Hank says technically it's not feet and inches. It's the imperial system. Did you know that, Jeff? That seems like something you would know. Sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. Uh, Scott in Houston says that uh, Ludwig Eberg is using his Texas Tech bag at the uh, golf tournament in Canada. Nice. Yeah, very nice. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, this, I remember metric from school back in the 70s. Teachers were telling me, telling us that we would convert to it. It never happened. Yeah, yeah. Chuck, I'm an engineer in pro-American technology, but the metric system is superior and easier to use. It's all based in tens instead of things like 12 inches in a foot, which is what Jeff said.
0: Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, We get this from the 8th Warren Center
1: chat line off the Double T 97.3 mobile app presented by Happy State Bank. OU makes college softball completely unwatchable. Okay.
3: I don't 100% disagree. I just... um, I'm still interested to see who wins and all that good stuff, but mm-hmm. it's it's hard. Like during the women's college world series, I would watch some of the other games, but what OU was on, it wouldn't be interesting to me because just you just knew what the outcome was going to be, and and so no disrespect to them whatsoever. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not blaming them for that. They're doing all they can to be great, and they are. Yeah. But it's just it's it's made it a bit boring when you know the outcome, right?
1: Yeah. Did yep. the
2: Cowboys make the NFL boring in the nineties? Did the did... Bulls make the NBA boring in the nineties?
3: Well, they lost games.
2: Sure, a losing game. And <laughs> the win streak is huge. As opposed to being respected, we're using it as a as a critique against them for doing it right
3: No, 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 nobody critiqued un- them. <laughs> what did I just say? Yeah. I'm, What did I just say? All the respect in the world to them. It's not their fault. They're doing great things. Okay? It's hard to watch a game that you know the outcome already. That is nothing against them. Nothing whatsoever. I didn't critique them. I didn't criticize them one single bit.
2: I wasn't talking about you. Okay. I was talking about the texture who says that they're making... College softball and watch... It's
3: them. the same thing that I... I'm, it's it's not fun to watch their games. It's fun to watch the other games because we don't know who's going to win.
1: Yeah, they've just been so dominant. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's akin to watching uh, UConn basketball, women's basketball.
3: I mean, the Bulls lost 10 games. They won 72-10, and 10, okay? I mean, the Cowboys lost champion. Lost, they didn't win every Super Bowl in the 90s. They won three out of four. And they lost games in the regular season. You didn't know if they were going to win them all. I mean... It happens, right? It's not happened with Oklahoma. They win every game, except the one to Baylor.
1: Um, this person also says they've been good for 30 years. Not, not really. I mean, they've been good for a number. Of, I mean, they've won every Big 12 regular season championship that was played since 2012. Um, the only thing that they didn't win was 2020 when you know COVID got everybody. Um, and their NCAA tournament championships, it's really over the last 10 years – uh, they've won the last two they're going for three in a row they went back to back in 16 17 they won in 2013 their first one was in 2000 so they went 13 years between national championships so it's just it's just recently since 2016 they've won they've won four and they're on the verge of a fifth
3: well, they've become so incredibly dominant yeah, yeah yeah
1: but i mean it's not necessarily it's closer to the t- 10 to 20 years like we were talking about than it is to the 30s okay enough about that um all right. The um, I, I saw this, and, and again, I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't already know, okay? But I just think I think it's cool to see these things because it's not the first one of these that I saw. That I saw. I had one yesterday from CBS. Uh, this is from Athens Sports, Athlon Sports. It's a Texas Tech football uh, 2023 season preview and prediction. Uh, the headline is the Red Raiders are a sleeper team to watch in the Big Twelve title race. Is that accurate? A sleeper team, or would you say as a team to watch? I mean, are we are we still in that we're sneaking up on somebody kind of mode? Do you think think other fan bases would say? I don't say think that? It,
3: I don't think people are picking Tech to win it. Right. Okay, I think most people are picking either K State or Texas to win it.
1: Yeah, and I think probably if you were in other Big Twelve cities. Um, And you said, Texas Tech, what do you think about that? Oh, really? So I think sleeper, outside of here, that that would be an accurate statement, probably.
3: I think even here. Even here? Okay. Are most people that you know picking tech to win it? No,
1: no, 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 no. No. But I mean, when I say, when I, I guess when I look at the, the word sleeper, that means like comes out of nowhere. So I don't necessarily think you're coming out of nowhere based on the results of the last couple of years.
3: I think of sleeper as um, most people aren't picking them, but they have a shot. Okay.
2: All right. Um, And last couple of years, you went to one bowl game.
3: Back to back. Back to back. We've taken down the whole state of Mississippi the last two years. Yeah. We own Mississippi.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I guess part of me says when you fire a coach, that kind of negates the building a championship run you, in there you wanted you, you've you, had one year with joey mcguire system right. and one year of sure. his success where you won eight games sure i've got no issue with us being a sleeper
1: pick here. okay all right okay like you're <laughs> okay right. that's fine i just was asking just asking a question uh the red raiders have 14 starters back uh and this article says pushing for a spot in the conference title game. Uh, Tyler Schott continues to get a lot of, I think, very positive looks uh, from a, a, just the different articles that you'll read in terms of these previews, which is kind of where we are right now. Uh, this person says headlines a dynamic offense. Okay hope so dynamic right
3: if that offensive line can improve it could be dynamic Mm
1: -hmm. defense returns enough experience and depth to expect a step forward in 2023 how about that um red raiders coming up that's that that's saying something right there isn't it
3: well that's hard for me to do, do you think they'll be better than they were last year minus your top 10 pick. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't I think
1: that's going to be hard.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm buying into that. There
1: might be some stats that are better, but I mean, you know, the the other thing though is they did step up those last few games when you know, when he was not available. True. You know, when he was not available. Well,
3: I mean, he still gave up 48 to OU.
1: Do you think most people in town would know this that Tech finished with the second best offense in the Big 12 at 461 yards per game? Because um, I think no. Okay. I don't I think, think that they would know that, but I don't know that they would be surprised by it either. Okay. Uh, also, the Red Raiders finished fourth in scoring, averages, averaging 34.2. Uh, and then this article says, which we all know, what plagued them the most was inconsistency on the offensive line, the result of injuries and lackluster play. And you hope, you hope that this will help you, because you were certainly hoping this last year, that the transfer from Western Kentucky, Rusty Stats at center, will make a big improvement for you.
3: That's what that's that's the hope. I feel like he's a key key guy. All right. If 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 Rusty Stats isn't the guy that we think he can be, it feels like you can't be the explosive offense that you we all thought you had the potential to be.
1: Here's a number you would probably like to see go down. Uh, because you, if you, if it does, that means you're more successful on first and second down. Um, because Tech had the most fourth down attempts last year in the FBS at 52. You converted 33 of those. You were 16th in that conversion percentage at 64%. But I, I, I feel like that you're flirting with disaster when you do that to a degree.
2: I'd also say that, what, 80% of those... We're in the first half of the season. That's, that number way slowed down in the second half of the season.
3: I don't know. I'd go 80%, but I would definitely go majority. Yeah. And I think you're right, Jeff. I think it definitely slowed down towards mm-hmm. the end uh, of the year. And I don't know if that was an adjustment that was made or just the opportunities weren't there. And and But I agree with what you said at the beginning there, Chuck. I don't, I don't want to say desperation when you're going for that many fourth downs, but if you're – if you're a really good football team you're probably not going
1: forward as much you don't need to yeah because you've been you've been better on first and second and you've third made and short you've or whatever. made first downs. yeah you've converted right you know, yeah uh this is what this guy says about uh the tech defense the word that defines it is experience red raiders have six starters uh, along with uh, others that contributed meaningful snaps Red Raiders led the Big 12 in sacks and had the ninth best red zone defense in all of FBS last season. Yeah, I mean you put pressure on the quarterback, but I mean Tyree Wilson helped you make put pressure on the quarterback because either he either he got to him or they double teamed him and allowed somebody else to get to him.
3: I think I'm just scared because it's been such a a hard thing for the Red Raiders to find as that dominant pass rusher, and he obviously was. Tyree mm-hmm. was and I mean it just opens things up for you know for other guys not just himself mm-hmm. and made you so so good so you know the the one of the biggest question marks that I have head, heading into the season is can can there be somebody that that not only puts pressure on quarterbacks but helps everybody else on the defensive line and Man, they're just, they've are just they been few and far between for, for the Red Raiders. They just haven't had many of those guys, and Tyree was such a special guy. To me, he's going to be really hard to replace.
1: Okay, so that's exactly what this guy says, too. He talks about the return of the fifth-year guys, Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford Jr., who had 82 tackles and seven sacks, but says the big question mark <laughs> remains how the team will fare without the contributions of first-round NFL draft talent, Tyree Wilson at Edge rusher. Exactly what you just said. Yeah, mm-hmm. no question. All right, so uh, I think I think the future is obviously very bright.
0: The Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Jamie's question of the day on Double T ninety seven three is presented by Bizarre Solutions. Call them today for a free cybersecurity audit.
1: Well, we've we've gone back and forth today with with lots of questions, but you have one in particular, right?
3: Yeah, and I'm going to kind of. Um... I'm going to ask off of your your last segment
1: there. Okay.
3: Okay, so I think most of us would say that the favorites in the conference, football in the Big 12 this year, mm-hmm. are Texas and Kansas State. Okay. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to take the Red Raiders away from you. Okay. Okay. And you brought up the sleeper thing. Yeah. All right. Who's the team in the conference that you think could be the sleeper mm. pick that kind of surprises folks and win a conference championship? If you can't take the Red Raiders cuz I think the Red Raiders would be a good answer. Yeah. Then you can't take K-State in Texas. Okay. So I've limited you limited you to just 11 teams.
1: All right. Um, you know the first that kind of came into my mind and you're going to say, well, are they really a sleeper because of the history of their football program? But I feel like BYU could be that team. Okay. I don't really have nothing to cite it other than just feel like that they're they're a team that we know is tough. Maybe they're not quite as good as we think, but not quite as bad as we think. And, um, and i cuz i my view on central florida and cincinnati is you're finally going to have to play tough teams. Mm-hmm. And my view on BYU is as an independent i feel like generally historically speaking without analyzing their schedule over the last 20 years is that they're a team that has so, not shied away from that.
3: Yeah, they've always scheduled
1: some tough yeah, teams. Yeah, they've not shied away from that. So i'm going to say BYU, Jeff.
2: It feels like i'm getting away with murder here. Oklahoma you know, the team that's won the conference the majority of the times that we've had the conference championship. They had a terrible season last year. I don't expect them to just stay there. Um, But we've taken now four teams off the list, and I'm coming up with Oklahoma's number four on this. It feels like that should be a sleeper at that point.
3: So uh, when Chuck was describing who he thought it was going to be, and he was talking about their their history, and their I thought he was talking about Oklahoma. I thought he was talking about Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. Oklahoma is my answer too. Okay, um, it just feels like nobody because they had a down year last year, uh, and everybody has doubts um, about their coaching staff. Understandably so, because they, you know, they, they struggled in their first year. It just feels like it's Oklahoma. We they had a great recruiting class. They've done some things in the portal. I just feel like Oklahoma is not going to stay down, and that mm-hmm. is totally based on who they've been in the past. That's yes, fair. Sure. And so, I I just feel like that would be a team because of the talent level that they're dealing with and the talent mm-hmm. level that they bring in every year that that could be the team i don't really even have another good one i i mean from everything i've read people expect BYU to take a step back this year so i i wouldn't i wouldn't have gone that way i you know baylor i and, and tcu i just i don't know i just don't know mm-hmm. it feels like uh baylor took a step back last year but uh, they've also been good in recent years and and TCU, uh, it all worked out well for them last year, but they've lost so many guys. But you know, I was reading yesterday where they've brought in three Alabama transfers, so it just feels like TCU might be, you know, in the conversation as well. Um, but they've lost so much; it, it would be hard for me to believe that. So, my, Oklahoma was my answer, just like Jeff.
1: Okay. Um, but I think you you've also been you had had kind of a question mark around their coach to see, can he can he, can he he be a head coach, Brett Venables?
3: Yeah. It's a, I mean, a lot of times there are great coordinators mm-hmm. that just don't make the transition very mm-hmm. well to, to the head coaching. And so he's got to answer that question. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, I also see, see the recruiting that he's doing, and uh, he looks like he's got that figured out.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, generally speaking, uh, great players help you become a much better coach, right?
3: Surely should help. Yes. <laughs> Surely should it's, it's about Jimmy and Joe.
1: Uh we get we get this from the eighth morning center chat line. I don't think y'all should get to call Oklahoma a sleeper. They've got the second best odds to win the conference this year. But to to their point to to step up for those guys, the Jamie and Jeff a little bit, you know, Oklahoma went three and six last year and six and seven. I mean they were they were not a good football team.
3: Yeah. I think the Texter's point is fair.
1: It's, it's, fair. A fair, it's, a, yeah, it's a fair. It's I,
3: I a fair. I would not point. put them as the second most likely. Okay. I, I would go K State in Texas.
1: Yeah. Uh Somebody said this UCF or uh Oklahoma sleepers. Somebody else said UCF. I just.
3: I'm I'm totally intrigued by UCF. I I probably am more excited about this Big Twelve football season than I've been in a long long time. Number one because your team is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, good. You know, so that makes it makes sure. it exciting. It um, uh, just feels like it's going to be a lot of fun because of that. But then mm-hmm. also with the new teams coming into the conference, just don't know what we're going to get. Just don't know what we're going to get. So that that's fun to me.
1: Yeah, no, I think that it's, uh, there's an intrigue. There's a question mark. It doesn't. It, it, I I feel like Cincinnati
3: is a team that I look at and say they're going to take a step, big big step back. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I feel that about UCF. I think the Big 12 is going to be big for them. It may not be right away, yeah. but I think you see it's going to help UCF recruiting wise.
1: I mean, we know how big a school it is, you know, and just in terms of just students and being in the state of Florida, now being in a Power 5 conference, you know, and so if you have kids that don't want to go to Florida, or don't want to go to Florida state and they they don't care for Miami and they're like, okay, here here's a here's an opportunity for me to go Playing big-time college football games and maybe, you know, make an immediate impact. Not that they've been bad or anything, but just you know what I'm saying. I mean, so I don't know. I think it's gonna. I I, I think you're right. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna make a um, potentially real, real impact. I don't know if it'll make us forget Texas and Oklahoma, but um, it'll be.
3: Well, uh, we are know. gonna get to forget them.
1: We are because yeah. they're gonna leave. Because they're gonna leave, right? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna leave. They're gonna say. So long, farewell. We'll see you however that goes. Mm-hmm. You know the...
3: And we'll all become more interested in the SEC now because we tune in every Saturday to root against Texas right. and Oklahoma.
1: Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, this, Go, Vandy. This, I think Texas Tech will have to be better than good to make noise this season with how good the rest of the conference is. Okay? This, it makes me laugh that Oklahoma has been great for a long time. They have one bad season, and they're getting buried by a lot of pundits. UT hasn't been great in some time, yet every season, those same pundits constantly pick them to win the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: that's pretty fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, this... I don't,
3: again, I don't, I'm not burying Oklahoma. They were bad last year, there's no mm-hmm. question. But uh, I, I just don't think they'll stay down.
1: This, uh, it just means more, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, somebody had a question, so if you've... Uh...
3: Jeff and I were laughing um, last week because... Uh,
1: what did I say? Did I say something?
3: No, Jeff Haxton oh, and I were okay. laughing because uh, we were noticing as we were sitting there in our radio booth and we started our pregame show 30 minutes before first pitch, and mm-hmm. they were still over there chit-chatting and all that good stuff, and they didn't start there until 15 minutes before first pitch, and I made the comment to Jeff... I I guess guess pregame just doesn't mean
1: just more
3: (laughs) doesn't mean more pregame doesn't
1: mean more (laughs) yeah Yeah. you guys are just more everybody sits on the edge of their seat waiting for the latest tidbits from you guys yeah we just love to
3: talk the two of us yeah
1: yeah I I I know how I know how much you quote love to talk (laughs) okay I, I will say this: If I ever get to work, uh, and you're here, and you're uh, in a control room at one of the other stations talking to somebody, I will know that the apocalypse is upon us.
3: Yeah, I like I like to, which I, you know, I chose an interesting career path of working the morning show, but I like to kind of ease into the day a little bit. <laughs> so you know, usually I'm not when I first get here looking to immediately strike no, I up know. a conversation, I know, but. I am. Um, to each their own right i mean uh, there are plenty of people in the world that are bright and chipper early in the morning
1: and you uh, you have to i respect them it's just not me
3: i wish i was, I wish <laughs> I was better it I was more like that
0: here we here we go a little sound of music for you the morning drive podcast from double t 97.3 is presented by cantex roofing and construction jamie lent and jeff mcguire i'm
1: chuck hines we come to you from the first united bank studio and look forward to hearing from you today on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to t 973com for that Of the mobile app. The Visual Edge IT hotline is open, too, at 806-771-0973. It feels like a quick week so far, but I don't know if it feels like a quick week to you. I mean, because you're, you're kind of in a whirlwind week, aren't you? From where you started your week to kind of where you are today. Oh,
3: it has felt pretty slow to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. Um, okay, so... I think you know we we've seen new commissioners you know come into the Big 12 whether it's to to clean up a mess or to try to keep the conference together and you've seen you've seen other conferences you know that have made changes whether it's you know like the Big 10 that guy goes from being the Big 10 commissioner to running the Chicago Bears and they primarily Did that, hired him uh, from the Big Ten because he was a kind of a savant when it comes to stadium deals and had done that previously in the NFL. And now they got a bit of a mess in in Chicago with replacing Soldier Field um, at the old racetrack site. Anyway, in, in the SEC, it seemed like kind of a step and repeat. Not that Greg Sankey had a whole lot to do or he didn't have to really fix anything. It's more about taking it to the next level. But, and, and it feels like the big t- Pac-12 with Clea cloth after Larry Scott um, couldn't really produce or couldn't really deliver on a, on a huge TV contract and now Clea cloth has kind of got a mess on his hands with the defections of USC and UCLA and, you know, it appears that Colorado and Arizona are headed out the door and then Maybe quickly after that, it's Washington and and Oregon. And then what, what do you got? You got not, not much. But it's, I think this what Brett Yormark has been doing with the Big 12, it's almost like when you consider the other guys and the Power Fives, it's kind of revolutionary. Because just in terms of I think he's trying to take it to a next level business-wise with the – you know various hirings that he's done in terms of the initiatives whether it's sales or marketing or just you know a fresh you know a lot of times when you hire people sometimes they have similar visions than the previous person and then sometimes you you hire somebody that's like okay i got a whole new fresh set of eyeballs on this thing and i don't see the forest for the trees and that it just feels like that that's what Brett Yormark so far has done with the Big 12 and trying to because you, you kind of look at it today versus two or three years ago, man. It's, to me, it's elevated maybe to number three behind the Big Ten and the SEC. Ahead of the Pac-12 and ahead of the ACC. <laughs>
3: You know the ACC has kind of knocked themselves down yeah. by you know the the news that came out a couple of weeks ago that many of their uh, schools aren't happy and they want a redistribution system and all all this kind of stuff that makes you show that they're maybe a little bit shaky on things and then the next day of course they all kind of backed it backed off of that but um, I think your mark's done a terrific job. It does feel like you are you know you're pretty confident in that you're solid and, and on good ground and that you're you're moving forward and instead of being the hunted you're you're being the hunter now mm-hmm. yeah and um, it's a man it's it's a shocking turn of events compared to where we were this time a year ago again when we were worried that after we found out that Texas and Oklahoma were going to leave that and everybody was worried that the big 12 was just going to fall apart. And, I think that's exactly what ESPN expected to happen. It's kind of what they
1: wanted to happen,
3: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So Texas and OU could get out of there as easily as possible and could get to the SEC and all that good stuff. Um, But, you know, it's not been all your mark, but uh, the, the Big 12 has done a nice job of... Kind of hanging in there and uh, feels like they're better off now than they were a year ago.
1: So the other thing that that he would like to do or his vision, whether it's his or, you know, his brain trust vision, is to have teams in all four time zones. And that's part of the that's part of the initiative with, you know, Colorado and Arizona, which would help give you that. Um, But the other thing that they're doing is apparently they're going to start exploring is the word that Pete Thamel and ESPN says. With doing a bowl game in Monterey, Mexico, uh, as they want to kind of push the league into that country, into Mexico, the game would begin in the postseason following the 2026 season and has been targeted for Monterey, uh, Mexico, according to, according to the sources. Also, Big 12 teams are expected to play some exhibition games against local teams in both women's soccer and baseball the bowl game is expected to be the first postseason one in Mexico between two American college football teams. Your um, Mark discussed this strategy at the Big 12 meetings in West Virginia last week. And uh, according to sources, he expressed to the leadership of the league that the Mexico initiative will help deliver the league a natural extension into a footprint in Mexico and give Big 12 athletes the experience of competing in another country. Okay. And they've also announced that um, the Big 12 will have other sports playing in, in Mexico and Kansas and Houston have agreed to play each other uh, in a regular season game in Mexico City in December of 2024. That's both the men's and the women's basketball teams. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, that could, that could be... Pretty cool. The game at Monterey would be the second one postseason. The, the one currently that's outside the United States is the Bahamas Bowl. Bahamas, Bahamas Bowl in, uh, in Nassau. Uh, there was one also in uh, Toronto at one point in time, but that the last time that that game was held was in 2010, and then there was a appropriately named probably the Bacardi Bowl that was played in Havana, Cuba. How about the Tokyo Bowl? When you had the Tokyo Bowl, too, right? Because Texas Tech played in that. Uh, they don't list that here in that, but you're but you're exactly right. Um, so anyway, this the, the commentary on this uh, from uh, ESPN is that this initiative continues a pattern of the league being proactive uh, during Yomark's first year as commissioner, and I think that's I think he has been very proactive. Yeah, I would and, agree with that. No, and, and more so, and maybe he had to be um, uh, than than the other conferences just because of kind of feel like that they had to be kind of innovative and maybe creative uh, to get to shore up the conference.
2: He also may have been given the freedom from his schools to be more aggressive. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I don't think it's an understatement to say that Texas and Oklahoma held back the Big 12 from doing things because of their plans in in the recent past and then not wanting to do things in the more distant past.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's a that's that's I a good point. That. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. And you know, now that you don't have that kind of those two big voices that are saying King's X to everything. Sure. You know, it seems like it is more of a maybe it is more of a level playing field, not only from a business standpoint, but also it'll be more of a level playing field we think, right? Athletically, across the board? Hope so. Or at least a fairer fight. Yeah, it appears that way. Not having to go up against all those all those resources that uh, that UT has especially.
0: This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of double T ninety seven three podcasts at double T ninety